have you with us on this busy Wednesday afternoon. I'm Wendy Next with Tom Luganville and Desmond Howard. And let's get to right where things stand. We haven't seen a whole lot of change in the last month. We saw the latest college football playoff rankings revealed last night live on ESPN. And here's what we have. The four at the top remain the same. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State leading the way. Texan A&M fifth. Iowa State has moved into that number six spot after Florida lost to LSU on Saturday. And Luke's, uh, it really is true. The last four weeks, it's the same four teams. What would it take at this point to shake things up? Well, there's really two matchups that will affect it. So I'll take one of them, and that would be Notre Dame defeating Clemson and essentially eliminating Clemson, removing them from top four contention, which, to be honest with you, from a matchup problem, uh, all of the success that Clemson has had at the college football playoff level, I think there's a lot of teams that would like to have them out of the mix. And if that were to be the case, it's awfully difficult to beat somebody twice in one season, although I do think this Notre Dame team not only played their tail off against Clemson the first time, but has actually ascended and become a better football team. So... Beating somebody twice is difficult, but not out of the realm here, Des. I, I think it's a real possibility for the Fighting Irish to do it again. No, you're right about that. It's going to be a tall task, especially with Trevor Lawrence at the quarterback position. But how about the uh, Alabama versus Florida game? I think if the Gators, and I know this will be a, a monumental accomplishment, but if the Florida Gators can end up upsetting Alabama in the SEC championship game, guys, I want to see what the CFP committee is going to do at that point because Florida now they have two losses but they're the SEC champs and they will have the best win of any team in college football this season knocking off the number one team in the country the Alabama Crimson Tide so what would happen if if, if Florida wins that game Alabama can't fall out of the top four with Florida leapfrog um Iowa State, and would they leapfrog Ohio State? What would happen in that scenario? That's what I want to see. Well, it's the time of year when we can see chaos reign if certain chips were to fall into place. Don't forget to vote for the Dr. Pepper One Final Team uh, by using the hashtag One Final Team. Now, here's an interesting concept. Uh, don't forget what Coastal Carolina did when BYU stepped in and the shot to clears did what they had to do. So Coastal and Cincinnati are both undefeated, but the Bearcats ranked higher in the college football playoff rankings, and that's despite the Chanticleers boasting a better strength of record and strength of schedule. Uh, Des, I'll ask you this. I certainly know what I think, but do you think you can make the case that Coastal Carolina should outrank Cincinnati? Well, I, I tell you, wow. if you look – I'm sorry, Des, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm sorry about that, uh, uh, Wendy. I thought you had, had thrown to me there. I Listen, I think the BYU win for Coastal Carolina was a stronger win than any one that Cincinnati has had to this point. The fact that they've played 11 games. If they are to beat Louisiana for a second time, that would be another win twice against the ranked team for Coastal Carolina. And also that team would have beaten Iowa State in the opening game of the season versus um, I, uh, with that win would now give the Coastal uh, Carolina team 12 wins. And I think that there's some real legitimacy that you could see Coastal because of the 11 wins versus maybe nine wins since he gets one over Tulsa to be ranked ahead. I tell you what, Coastal Carolina is a very impressive team, but man, I've liked Cincinnati since the beginning of the season. 
the Bearcats, it seems as though they've been, uh, they've been penalized lately for not playing games when other teams have not. They've been just steadily slipping in the ranks. And this is a great team. I mean, you watch them, the eye test, they, they check all the boxes. They play tremendous defense. Uh, Desmond Ritter is an excellent quarterback, running and throwing, dual threat quarterback. But the way they shut down these high-powered offenses, whether it's SMU, whether it's Memphis, no matter who they are, they always score well below their average when they go up against the Cincinnati Bearcats. I would love an opportunity to see Cincinnati play Coastal Carolina. But I think when you look at the eye test, you know, the Bearcats are where they belong. I, I'm a huge fan of what Luke Fickle is doing right there with that, with that program. So I can't really knock the Cincinnati Bearcats uh, sitting in the eighth position. We should also note that Coastal has locked up its head coach, by the way, Jamie Chadwell, through 2027. And this is after also Coastal able to play 11 games this season. Here's what we also know, though, guys. It's difficult whether you're talking about Cincinnati or talking about Coastal Carolina for programs like these to fight their way into the college football playoff. It's just a, it's a it's a very difficult thing to do. And Kirk Herbstreet this morning joined Zubin Keyshawn and Jay Williams to talk a little bit about his feelings on what's wrong with this system. Our postseason is is as bad as there is, mm -hmm. and we have got to figure out a system that opens up opportunities. Um, that, that, like right now, let's just say the season ends January 12th. I can already tell you, 2021, Ohio State's coming out of the Big Ten, <laughs> Clemson's coming out of the ACC, Alabama's coming out of the SEC. In 2021, I can tell you 2023, Ohio State's coming out of the Big Ten, <laughs> Clemson's coming out of the ACC, Alabama's coming out. It's like, who's the fourth team? Is Oklahoma going to come out of the, of the Big 12? Maybe Keys boys out of USC get it together. Maybe maybe USC like it's, if that's where we are. Is that is that right? Is that healthy for the sport when ninety eight or ninety nine percent of the participants realize they don't have a chance before the season starts? That that we've got to look at this twenty twenty year and realize we have to tweak the system for the betterment of the sport, or we're, we're, we're at a, a fork in the road right now on a lot of levels, and we've got to look at some, some potential changes. Look, it's a really honest take, and Des, I will start with you. Does Kirk have a point? Do we need to change the way the system is set up? He has a point. Um, I wish I could have been a part of the conversation, but he definitely ha he has a point. I've always said that the selection process in the playoff uh, college football playoff committee is is um, an issue. I've always had an issue with that. You know, people were just happy because we attached playoff to it. And they thought this was great. And I was like, no, this is far from great. It's greatly flawed. I mean, let's just start at the beginning. You're talking about you have four slots, right? Four slots. But then you have power fives. So that means there are five, um, you know, conferences in the power five. So automatically, one of those is going to get left out. And now Notre Dame just joined the ACC. But before this year, Notre Dame was the independent team that was always a team that could find, uh, probably play into the playoff too. So if you took one conference away and then you added Notre Dame when before they got joined the ACC, now you're looking at three slots, you know. So it's inherently unfair. It's a flawed system. I've said that from day one, but lose. For the simple fact that they called it a playoff 
everybody seemed happy with it. Well, you're right. In listening to Kirk's comments there, really the only solution that you would be able to come up with is to have a true playoff. It would have to be a 12 or a 16 or a 24 team playoff, which would be awfully difficult to do. You'd have to completely dismantle the bowl structure because he's right. There, there is a, there is a class divide in major college football. All right, Coastal Carolina is never going to have the same resources as Alabama. Cincinnati is never going to have the same resources as Ohio State, so on and so forth. So this isn't just about the group of five. This is also about power five programs that are really, really good football teams. Texas A&M would be a prime example this year where if you said, okay, we have eight, we have 10, we have 12. All right, now going into the season, to Kirk's point, everybody would realize, hey, we got a legitimate shot. Because now, if you're not one of those four to six teams, you're not looking at a New Year's Six. You're not looking at a college football playoff slot. You're looking to win your championship in your conference and go to a bowl game. Well, it's true. And I think what you don't want to have is a system set up where you know you're, you know, you're done before you start. You'd like to think everybody yeah. has the opportunity. Uh, again, uh, to be continued in 2020 is different all the way around anyway. A reminder you can vote for the one final team, Dr. Pepper, one final team using the hashtag one final team. A reminder of how the New Year Six looks as we stand right now. We've got a little ways to go, but uh, here's, here's where we are. Florida would play Iowa State in the Cotton Bowl. Cincinnati plays Georgia in the Peach Bowl. USC and Oklahoma go at it, the Fiesta Bowl, and Texas A&M faces North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. Still to come on College Football Live, it is National Signing Day. Everybody's talking about where they're taking their talents. We'll break down which schools have the top recruiting classes and who you should watch next season. College Football Live is brought to you by Allstate. You've never been in better hands. The journey is on. The AT&T Countdown to the College Football Playoff National Championship, Monday, January 11th on ESPN. It is Conference Championship Weekend, and here's the lineup Saturday on ABC. It's the Big 12 Championship game, Oklahoma and Iowa State, noon Eastern. Then how about the rematch, Clemson and Notre Dame? They square off in the ACC title game. And finally, Tulsa faces Cincinnati in the AAC Championship. And Sunday, we'll have the College Football Playoff Selection Show. That's at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, not only on ESPN, but also the ESPN app. Take a look now at our Capital One Bowl Mania preview. The first bowl game of the week starts on Monday. Appalachian State will take on North Texas in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. That's at 2.30 Eastern on ESPN. But today we talk about the future of college football. It's National Signing Day, and Alabama welcomes its seventh number one recruiting class in the 16-year history of the ESPN 300. Clemson has their seventh straight top 10 class, and for the first time, back-to-back top five classes. Lugs, uh, it's been a long day, a busy day, and when you look at these class rankings, what stands out to you? It's kind of the usual suspects, a little bit like what we talked about with our discussion about the college football playoff. Oh, who's in there? Okay, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. I think another thing that stands out, and I know the ACC would like to include Notre Dame in this year's recruiting cycle, but you've got three ACC teams in Clemson, North Carolina, and Notre Dame there in the top ten, with Miami looming just outside of the top ten at number 11, not to say they couldn't jump back into the top ten 
um, by the end of the day. And why are those teams there? Because they have done the best job of not only evaluating, but garnering the signatures of the premium positions in college football. That's a quarterback. That's in the offensive line. It's in the defensive front. Dominant players that are disruptive that are the common denominator between transitioning from great recruiting cycles to on-field performance and college football playoff appearances. See, Luke, some people would say they just got good guys to sign. You say garnering the signatures. This is why you're a big star. I love it. I have the top signees. Here are some notable names today. Both Brandon Jennings and Quentin Somerville decommitted. No garnering of signature there from Michigan with Jennings choosing a fellow Big Ten school and Somerville going to UCLA. So, listen, we talked about the recruiting classes. I'll also ask you about individual players. Which player should we keep an eye out for? Top three uh, overall player in the ESPN 300 and defensive end Corey Foreman was formerly a verbal commitment to the Clemson Tigers and is going to push back his signature uh, till early January at the earliest. And again, he's a dominant force, a guy that is disruptive, is six foot four. Uh, he's going to be a 270, 270 pounder, really, really active. I think it's going to come down to USC, maybe Arizona State in the mix. I do expect him to stay out west. Clay Helton done a nice job with this class. On-field performance has helped in recruiting, I think, for the Trojans. And, of course, Herm Edwards, if you're Arizona State, to be able to go into California and get a premier guy against uh, uh, along the front would be a huge coup for the Sun Devils. But he's an exciting guy, and we're not going to know the answer just yet. It's an unprecedented cycle, so we still have some names to wait for as we get into January and February. Listen, if Herm Edwards walks into your living room and spends some time, I, I, don't, I don't know how you don't follow him right out. I mean, uh, he's just that kind of guy. Uh, we'll take a look at our Progressive Bowl Challenge. Uh, again, as we make our way towards championship weekend in the last five seasons, the SEC is the only conference to win the Bowl Challenge Cup twice, and that does include last year when they went 8-2. and two. We are three days away now from what should be an epic rematch. It's the ACC championship game between Clemson and Notre Dame, and we'll break down what could make the difference in round two. That's coming up next. College Football Live is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Auto, renters, and home insurance. Saturday at 4 Eastern on ABC. It's the ACC Championship game, Clemson and Notre Dame. When these two teams met in November, it was a double overtime thriller with the Irish coming out on top. For more on what to expect next, here's Brad Edwards crunching the numbers. Number one. Obviously, it didn't go our way, but that's an instant classic. We proved something to ourselves. Two of the three best teams in college football are going to put on another show. As Clemson and Notre Dame prepare to face off again, this time for the ACC title, Let's go! much of the conversation surrounds the Clemson players who didn't participate in last month's meeting. Foremost on that list is Trevor Lawrence, whose spot was filled by DJ Uyunglele. Uyunglele looks downfield, throws it long, and it's caught for the touchdown. The big freshman threw for 439 yards in South Bend, 
the most by any opponent in Notre Dame's history. But on 14 dropbacks on third and fourth downs, he was able to move the chains only four times. That was one key to the Irish victory. Ball game! What a throw by Trevor Lawrence! Our real plus-minus metric shows Lawrence being worth about a touchdown more than his backup in net points per game. So having QB1 in the saddle is a big deal for Clemson. And there's a lot of great players out there, but the best player in the country is Trevor Lawrence. Among others missing from that first meeting were linebacker James Skalski and defensive lineman Tyler Davis. Each has missed his share of time this season, but when they've been on the field together, opponents have gained under a yard and a half per rush. Without them in South Bend, the Tigers allowed more than five yards per rush. We're on a mission. We want to win an ACC championship. I'm excited for that challenge. I think the team's excited for it. FPI says a healthy Clemson is the better team. But that means nothing if they don't prove it on the field this weekend. The numbers are glaring when you look at how Clemson defense struggled against the Irish in that first game. They gave up 47 points or over 500 yards of offense and three rushing touchdowns. We have reports with both teams. Harry Lyles Jr. with the Tigers, Jim Latta at Notre Dame, and we'll start with Harry. Thanks, Wendy. Clemson views this game as just another obstacle in their season. Obviously, everybody's been dealing with coronavirus issues, but when you have a player with the star power of a Trevor Lawrence, it hits a little bit differently, especially when he's missing the biggest game of the year. But luckily for Clemson, they've got a rematch here in the ACC title game, and not only are they going to be defending their own crown, but they're also going to be trying to defend the rest of the conference for all the regular members of the ACC. Now, this is another obstacle in their season, and they've had ones before, most notably with the Black Lives Matter movement and the social injustices that we are facing in the United States. And one player had told me that they were not sure that they were going to get past that, but because Dabo Swinney was so willing to listen to them, they've bought all in, and now they're at this point in their season, and they feel like this is another thing that they can absolutely conquer. Now in South Bend, here's Jen Latta. Harry, Ian Book and the Fighting Irish got good news this week. A few weeks ago, they lost two of their starting offensive linemen to injury. Tommy Kramer had an appendectomy, so he missed the North Carolina game and only played sparingly against Syracuse. But he will be back starting at right guard against Clemson this Saturday. They're still figuring out what they're going to do at the center position. Meanwhile, there's been some criticism about Notre Dame not being able to throw the ball downfield. Look no further than Javon McKinley, who has four 100-yard receiving games this season. That's tied for best in the ACC. Now sometimes, headed into a big game, you'll have coaches who trot out new motivational sayings or maybe even make t-shirts. That is not happening here in South Bend. Brian Kelly telling his guys, stay the course, focus on the details, stick with what has gotten us here. Wendy? Understandably so, Jen. It has worked so far. The question, Des, what will be the deciding factor this time around? We know how hard it is to beat a team twice, but what decides this game? Yeah. Well, when I think the deciding factor, the difference is going to be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you go into that game, a huge game, without Trevor Lawrence. And let me put it in perspective. You're talking about the number one overall draft pick in the, in the 2021 NFL draft. You go from that guy running your offense to a freshman. Now, he may be a five-star, but he's still a freshman. At that point, the playbook changes, and you have to make sure you can protect your quarterback and put your offense in the best position possible to succeed without taking huge risks. 
One element that's missing was Trevor Lawrence's running ability. Don't forget, a year ago when they were in the playoffs, Clemson versus Ohio State, Trevor Lawrence's legs played a huge role in that game. I expect, Lugs, that Trevor Lawrence's legs will play a huge role in this game, round two against Notre Dame. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, Des, I, I agree with Brad Edwards. A, a, hemp, a healthy Clemson is the better team, but when the better team doesn't execute, that levels the playing field. They turned the ball over three times versus Notre Dame the first time. Notre Dame only turned it over once. Third down conversions on offense were abysmal. Travis Etienne only rushed for 28 yards. The team only attempted 33 attempts. So if Clemson is the better team, then the better team needs to execute like it, which means Don't turn the ball over. Be effective on third down. And I think finally, defensively, Brent Venables has got to come up with a way of dealing with Ian Book's legs. That's what killed Clemson in the first matchup was Ian Book's ability to extend plays, get out of the pocket, either decide to run or make some throws late. You limit those opportunities, you limit Notre Dame's offense. In so, in so many ways, this really is a different game, even though we're calling it the rematch, because Clemson especially will have different personnel on the field. And to your point, Des, Trevor Lawrence is back. And make no mistake, Trevor Lawrence is a difference maker. One other note, Virginia Tech guys today opting out of a bowl game this year due to COVID concerns. That breaks the nation's longest streak at 27 seasons. College Football Live back with you tomorrow. We look forward to it. Have a great day, everybody. And congratulations to all the signees.